here's the thing at some point you're gonna have to stop talking about it and you're gonna have to start doing it at some point you're gonna have to stop doubting yourself and you're gonna have to start engaging in the process and at some point you're gonna have to realize that the dreams god put in your heart are there because they're a compass calling you into your created purpose let's get it Welcome, friends, to another episode here on the Recovering Reality Podcast. I have my friend of many, many years. Gosh, I don't remember when we met in San Diego, but many years on the show today, Kim Dang. Now, entrepreneur, what was creative and enthusiast? Creative living enthusiast. (laughs) Creative living enthusiast. (laughs) <laughs> uh, coach, hip hop artist, oh. quite a few different things going on. It's pretty awesome to watch it happen. How are you this morning? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm doing well. <laughs> I'm doing well. We're coming to the end of the summer in Florida. The humidity starts to kind of leave. So that's always good. The humidity is very real down here. Very yeah. real. Mm-hmm. You guys sent it to San Diego. Is it him? I remember in 10 years of living there, I remember like maybe a few times in 10 years, like it happens, but it's very, very rare. And it's like two or three days of it. It's Are you, getting you're pretty, getting some of it right now? Yeah. It's getting pretty rough. Like every year, a little bit more, a little bit more. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. It's funny. I don't know what, what, uh, San Diegans San. Yeah. <laughs> Is that how you? Reminded a uh, funny anchor man moment where they talks about that. But <laughs> if it's not, I noticed something while I live in there and it was like, if it got down, cause there's those rare days in the winter where it'll get down in the low sixties and people like in the middle of the day and people would be like freaking out. <laughs> oh my God. Sweater, scarf, jacket, boots, like, pumpkin spice latte like what are we gonna (laughs) do with ourselves (laughs) and then you get the exact opposite as well you get those times where maybe it gets to the mid 90s on like a really hot day there and people are like oh my gosh i can't even go outside this heat wave is gonna kill me (laughs) yeah we're Uh, we're spoiled we're definitely spoiled here yeah for sure. It stays about 75 to 85 year round. No humidity. <laughs> That's why people live there. That's right. Well, I'm excited to have a conversation with you and hear a little bit of your story and hear about uh, your perspective, your viewpoint as you make such a big impact in the marketplace. Thank you. I'm yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah. So... Tell us a little bit about it. I know a little bit about your story. It's not the it's not the average Jesus story. I don't think there is an average Jesus. <laughs> it's definitely not the right way to say it. But <clears throat> so what what did that kind of look like for you as you were stepping into faith and figuring that out and really getting solidified in your identity? Sure. Um yeah, there's nothing average about Jesus at all. Yeah, so. not at all. <laughs> that was a terrible way to say it. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> Um, actually, you know, upon reflection and my journey with him, I realized I've been hearing him since I was six years old. I just didn't know who it was. I grew up, um, 
in a family that was staunch Catholic, um, but there was so much darkness and being, you know, uh, immigrants from the war. I was the first born here in the United States out of my family. So I was already different from them and um, lots of trauma. So lots of darkness, lots of um, confusion and chaos when we arrived here. And um, I don't know, it wouldn't be until 30 years later that Jesus introduced me to himself as himself in a way that I would recall having an encounter with him when I was six. So he knew the way that he introduced himself to me would cause me to drop anchor. Like I would go, I would never leave. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I do. That's, that's a really good way to say it, that he introduced himself as himself. <laughs> that's a good way to say it. You know, it's, it's interesting. You, you, you said you, when you finally started walking with them and recognizing his voice, they're like, I've been hearing this my whole life. Yep. It's just, I, I've been telling people that exact same thing for years. It's just at that younger age, you're not able to differentiate or you're not able to kind of pinpoint your voice. You don't even really, I mean, for me, I didn't even really understand it all. The enemy, my voice, God's voice, like I had no yeah. idea what all that was, but I can look back and say the same thing. He's, he was speaking to me since I was a kid. Yeah. Well, nobody nobody mentioned Jesus. Even though I saw him on the cross as a kid, it's not like something I could actually process. I didn't even know what that meant. You know, I never saw anyone with the Bible. Hmm. Um, I just saw the overall feeling and impression of church. I felt the spirit as a, as a child in church. When I went, I was just happy. <laughs> uh, but I didn't, no one talked to me about the spirit or anything like that. And then uh, I all I saw was more like just people hunched over and just really guilt-ridden or burdened mm. more so. And so that was more of the example that I got of church. And I didn't go through... Um, confirmation and all those upper echelons of schooling with the Catholic Church. I just got to um, First Communion mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that, that was all I knew and that was it. That was that was it in my experience. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I can, having grown up a little bit, I can look back with the same, I mean, I grew up in very religious and I've shared quite a bit about it on this podcast and, and you're um, aware of it a little bit, you know, my, my family's all Mormon, very Mormon. And so I grew up in the religious world going and the traditions and the rituals and all that. But, uh, apart from just, you know, I, I followed Jesus, not religion <laughs> apart, sure. apart from that, it just, I saw a lot of the, the same thing when I was young and, and you're saying it and I hear it from so many people. It's like, yeah. They, this is a really straight way to say it and it'll probably bother some people, but I'm not really that concerned about it. It's as, it's as if that church is God. God's not God in those environments. Church is God. God is, God's there and we're there to pray to God, da, 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 da. but I have to, but this, this is God. I have to do it this way and fit into this, mm. this structure here. And 
I remember just looking back at a lot of that. And when I, when I was introduced to the idea of relationship, like you were talking about, you know, and he introduced himself to you when I was, when I was introduced to that idea, it was like, like my head explode. Like what a relationship? What does that look like? Um, what, what did that start looking like in your life? Once he introduced himself, this encounter that you had, and tell us a little bit about it, if you don't mind. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Um, Perfect. When I was six, uh, my mom died. And uh, my dad got married six months after. So I, I got caught up in a really whirlwind of things. And um, I was taken away from who actually took care of me, which were my grandparents. And then all of a sudden, I was with my dad and his new wife. But they were honeymooners, so they would leave me with many different strangers that I didn't know, but wouldn't communicate that with me at all. So I just had very deep grief as a child. And um, I just remember in one instance that um, I was just profusely crying. I was just, I couldn't help myself because I missed my grandparents. I had just gone through a bunch of stuff that I, I didn't know how to process it, but I didn't know how to cry, you know? And uh, I learned to self-soothe as a child, I was severely neglected and abused. So um, it was interesting that um, at that moment, you know, I was wrapped up in my little strawberry shortcake slumber you know sleeping bag or whatnot and I was just wiping my eyes so much that they were they were swollen and um I was in a stranger's house and all of a sudden I felt a hand on my back and of course that would make anybody jump right sure that's just I'm in my own thing and uh, all of a sudden I felt something and I looked around and nobody was there. And uh, I don't know, um, I was shocked out of my grief, but then there was like this peace that descended on me. I wouldn't be able to explain it back then, but um, I just knew I was okay. And then I, I also just knew that I needed to just get up and do something that I enjoyed. And from that moment, um, I could hear, you know, I, there was a knowing that um, someone was with me because I could hear from that, from that encounter. So fast forward to 30 years later, when I came off of the fumes of a, another um, just failed relationship, you know, um, I found myself at san marcos what the rock san marcos church mm-hmm. unbeknownst to me as a hairstylist i had a family praying for me under their breath that were my clients for like four years <laughs> and they had introduced me to the rock a couple times it took me and they didn't go there but um they were just lovely people and um it was, there were seeds, you know, because I, I, they never took me to the San Marcos campus. But I remember them mentioning the San Marcos campus. And then the next thing you know, when I was on the fumes of that relationship, 
I just sensed I needed to go there. I needed to go there. It was around Father's Day, 2013. <laughs> and uh, Christine Kane was actually the guest speaker. Because mm-hmm. Miles was on a sabbatical. And uh, her message just rocked me. And uh, it was about trading in a, a heart of stone for a heart of flesh. Wow. It rocked me. And so two years prior, those same clients gave me a Bible, gave me a letter of their testimony, gave me, you know, um, a case for Christ. I couldn't understand it when I, when I read it the first time. I was like, I don't know what these people are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> It would just Isn't so that j- the truth? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a language we don't know yet. Yeah. 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 Language we and, don't understand um, yet. It was so jumbled. I couldn't even understand it at that time. That was two years prior. And then. Do you still uh, have the letter? I do. Can you understand uh, it now? Yes. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, when I got home from that experience and was saved that you know, was form like that, that method of saving. <laughs> um, I was just so hungry, you know, I was just like, what, what is, what, what do I do next? You know? So I came home and I felt so overwhelmed and I found myself on my bed in my house and uh, just started crying because I was so overwhelmed by everything. And, um, I had cried probably the hardest that I've cried in, in a while, you know, kind of like everything was just kind of coming out all at the same time. And I had that experience. I I felt a hand on my back. Wow. The exact same encounter. Yes. That's crazy. And I jumped out of my bed and you know, you jump out of your bed, you go, Oh my gosh, it was you, 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 it was you all this time, right? And um, that was it. That was it. You could not tear me away from my Bible. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Just, <laughs> there's, there's, no, there's no other person in the history of the world that could just simply put their hand on your back and radically transform you right. like there's there's no other power there's no other force there's no other person no, no there's nothing that has that much power and love to just say i'm just gonna put my hand on you and it's gonna transform your entire life yeah that's that's so good and i love that the response was just like you couldn't put your bible down <laughs> i jumped out of my bed and i was like it was you it was you and and then you could not see me without my Bible for the first three years of my walk. You cannot see me. And so me. had you read the Bible or, or how much had you read the Bible before that the second encounter when you were 30, a little bit here and there, had you been reading it? Like, no, <laughs> no, I read the, I read the Quran. I read so many different books uh-huh. by that time. Lots of new age things, lots of, but the Bible never really made sense to me because I didn't even know where to start. You know, I didn't have anyone to sit under for instruction. Um, 
I didn't have any context for it. So when you don't have a context for something and, it, and it's such a big, wide book, um, it's pretty intimidating to kind of. Yeah, so, for sure. Well, I mean, just but, but to go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. But just to go back to what got me into my Bible was um, the Rock had given me a, a very small devotional. Yeah. And that's what really it started putting things in context started radically changing me right away I, I immediately stopped drinking <laughs> not because it's a rule but because in it in the devotional I found out some keys that were kind of landing me in like really bad relationships and that was one of the keys where it was just like I wasn't a big drinker but that that like dulled my my senses does that make sense and yeah. it took down my um my ability to uh discern like well i don't really know this person i i am attracted to them but i don't know them yeah it, then when you dull your senses it's like well i'm attracted to them and that's all that matters <laughs> yeah. you know what at i least, mean at least while the the alcohol is in you right yeah. least resistance right yeah i hope you are being filled with encouragement and hope from this podcast i want to take just a moment here guys and tell you a little bit about what it is we do here at recovering reality for the last eight years we've been coaching people one-on-one -on -one and seeing radical life transformations if you are struggling with addiction or in your recovery or just feel extremely stuck in life and cannot get past the challenge that's in front of you reach out let's talk see how it is we can help you step into freedom and purpose and in the last few years we have seen more and more people reaching out to us and asking for guidance and coaching on how to start their business or ministry how is it you get that vision in your head down on paper and into action so you can step into your calling and your purpose with god and change the world if that's you let's have a conversation enjoy the rest of the podcast guys you know, it's interesting, a quick fact about alcohol I've mentioned on here before, but um, so we get the word alcohol, it's an Arabic word, two different words, it's al, al ghoul. The second half of it, ghoul, is where we get our English word for like ghouls and goblins. So the literal okay. definition of the original word alcohol from the Arabic is a flesh-eating spirit. That's why it's still called spirits, like liquor right. stores say spirits sold here. That's what they called it from the very beginning. Right. And so this thing about put it in, all of a sudden the senses are dulled and right. we're seeing completely different. It's absolutely true. Yeah. So that was part of the question I was going to ask was, so you started... So after this encounter, then you couldn't put your Bible down. So you had, you know, the devotional help put, bring things into context, but did that, you know, cause I tell people like it's, is I'll put it this way. The enemy knows the written word better than anyone on the planet. <laughs> yes. He knows that thing. He knows how to manipulate it. He, he knows it very, very well. I don't think we understand that. Like it's been thousands of years. He's been looking at it. The the thing that he he came to Jesus in Matthew four, and he and and his whole approach was to manipulate him with scripture. Yes, that's what he did in that encounter. 
<clears throat> but there is a radic, uh, drastic, dramatic difference between knowing the written word and then knowing the author through the written word. There you go. They're not right. the same thing. Yeah. And so I just say that my question is like, how, how did it start coming alive for you? Once all of a sudden now, Holy Spirit's in your life and you have this passion for it. How did it start to make sense to you? Well, I had already been living in the spirit unbeknownst to me because I could hear him since I was six. Hmm. Um, when I reported my father for abuse at 12, I was put in a, a home, a group home. And upon being in a group home, you're, you're assigned therapist for your development, you know. And um, that first session, the therapist stood in front of me and said, do you know 85% of your cases don't make it? I'm 12, you know, like, and I'm Asian. So we, we, it's not a real hope filled way to start us. <laughs> Do you know, 85% of you yeah. are not going to make it out of this. Right. What is that? <laughs> well, you know, I'm very naive, very small, very, very hopeful. Uh, even though I went through all my things, I was still very happy. I was still very hopeful. So very. And, uh, I'm, I didn't know that wasn't even from me. I was just made that way through Christ, you know, like he gave me that measure of hope and faith as a child. And um, I, I always just gave people the benefit of the doubt. And um, he never talked back to uh, adults. I was never uh, that person that was disrespectful to adults. So I heard her and it, you know, as a kid, you're, you're, you just hear things but you don't know what to think about it or anything like that. It didn't land inside of me. But I that was the first time the, the voice that I've heard ever said something different. And in that moment, he said, but you're the 15%. Wow. And I already had compound interest for six years with that voice. So anything that I heard from that voice was my lifeline. And when I heard that, I was just like, okay, that was my cue to go and think and do something else. You know, don't dwell on that. Just go and do and think something else. And um, I just knew in me that she wasn't safe to speak to. And she never was able to crack me in any of the sessions. I never spoke in any of the sessions. I just drew. And that's where my creativity didn't start, but it was the first time someone else actually saw how I delved into it and I kept them out because of it <laughs> and uh, she had these Garfield figurines and um, I would just draw one every single time we had a session and give it to her in total silence like I would not speak one word to her um, and so to answer your question um, the spirit was always familiar to me it was these other concepts that weren't that weren't familiar to me. And so God actually saved me from the new age practices and things like that because they were close to the voice. They were so close, you know, but there was just something about them that wasn't right on. And I knew that intuitively. I knew that growing up and moving through all these different or not, not even moving through. I wasn't even investigating them. I was just exposed to them, you know, because mm -hmm. I love people. Like, I love people, and I was just very social. So, um, but I just knew inside of me the check was 
that doesn't really land right with this voice that I've been hearing my whole life. Um, and so I just always need to move on. That's the, you made so many good points, <laughs> you know, because it's like, you know, being at a young age, having that encounter and really having no idea what happened, like you, and, and I say that because as I've shared on here, I had these crazy encounters when I was young, yeah. like the very first one I had, I was sitting in the Mormon church. It's like 13 not wanting to be there and Holy spirit out of nowhere. No one laid hands. I mean, no, they don't even do that. You know, like no nothing. And I'm just sitting there and Holy spirit came and cooked me like fried. <clears throat> My skin's turning red. I'm crying. I'm not talking about get the tingles. I'm talking about like fried. Yes. I'm like red. I'm, I'm like tingly all over. I'm like looking at my hands, tears. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. You know, and I'm like looking around, like, is this happening to anybody? Like, what is this? Could I, and, and exactly what you said, could I have explained it all? No, no, theologically. But but something happens when God encounters you like that. You also get the, you, you get a measure of him with it. And it's like, yes. you're able to have this discernment and wisdom now, and you couldn't even explain it. You just knew. Yes. You're like, this woman's not safe. You know what I mean? And You're able to see with the new age. Yeah. Uh, and you make a great point. Like, as you know, you did some of it with us, I believe. Like, I ministered to the new age. It was all I did full time for like yeah. two years in San Diego mm -hmm. and got into some of the craziest environments to <laughs> minister to the new age. And it's so, so true. They are so close, yes. but so far. Because yes. it doesn't matter how close you are. If you don't right. have Jesus, you're so far. Right. And they were like right there. And they like, mm -hmm. there were principles and like concepts they would live by and talk about that are kingdom principles. But it's like, if you don't have the king, if you don't have the prince, the principles taking you nowhere, he's the fuel to it. You right. know what I mean? And so I love that, that point of like this encounter with Jesus. And then all of a sudden you have this wisdom that you can't even explain really. You don't really talk about it. I didn't talk about it with anybody with the, and it happened another, like it probably happened a half dozen times or so to me, yeah. just out of nowhere and undeniable. Um, and then you just, there's this measure of him that comes with it and you get this understanding into things and you can't even really, I couldn't have explained anything theologically, you know, you couldn't have explained right. theologically what was taking place, but it was as if he was just granting you, the strength that would be needed to continue on the journey until you could fully step into life with him. Right. I mean, as a kid, I, I honor was really big to me because I was just around so much dishonor. Um, I gravitated to the most strict teachers and coaches. So I was an athlete and I liked it because I had no structure. I loved school because it was the only place that, was uh, remotely dependable. Hmm. Does that make sense? So I always had, coming from so much chaos and darkness, I, I gravitated towards structure, you know, form, order. And um, it, it helped me excel because I knew I needed, I needed it. And um, just to, to your point on 
on God, he, he works in the same way. He has a structure. He has an order. He has a rhythm, a dependable one. And he wants to be known in that way. He wants, and he also wants us to access that so that that can come into our lives too. And we can embody that wherever we go, you know, and, um, it doesn't matter what go, what's going on around us. We're built on a strong foundation. So while others panic, we don't, right? And then so the, the, the question is why? Um, so yeah, he's uh, there's infinite amounts to discover about him and how he works and how he's made things. And I'm such a nerd in that way. <laughs> I can't get enough, you know, like, so. I love it. <clears throat> We're cut from the same cloth in, in many <laughs> regards. So how did that begin to, wh where did the mindset of making an impact in business and, you know, bringing, bringing uh, clients there, you're doing their hair and they come and do encounters and business sure. and hip where, where did the mindset come of like, I get to now partner with God and bring people into encounters in the world. And how did that start to develop in you? So I want to say even before I knew Jesus, because you are who you are to a degree, you know, um, before you're even in full blown purpose, you know, like where, you know, you're in purpose. Um, because my friend in my early 20s was like, how do you always know what to do? And I realized not everybody hears as of that point, or at least that's what I thought at that point. Like, and I didn't know how to explain it, what I heard. So I didn't say anything. <laughs> Just imagine talking to someone with no understanding and no faith or nothing. Well, how do you always know what to do? Yeah. Well, there's this secret <laughs> voice in my head that tells me. <laughs> yeah. If they don't, if they don't have a grid for it, they're just going to be like, okay, right. sure, sure. And so now I don't even care what people think of me. I literally yeah. just represented that way. Mm -hmm. Um. And I say more things like you might call it your intuit intuition, your gut or whatnot. Um, but <clears throat> I was coaching people then. I was I was the word of wisdom to my friends. Like I wouldn't, you know, it's just, I would take care of them. Even as a going to parties, like Kim was always the reliable one. You know, if everybody was too inebriated, she's the one that's going to get us home. Um, let her drive your car, even though she doesn't have a license. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know wow, uh, we're at a funny. rave or something. Everybody's wigging and everybody, they can't get up off the floor. It's like, I was an exploratory person. So I love to dance and all kinds of stuff, but people just stuck on the ground. And so they would cannot get their own waters. So every now and again, I'd come back with an armful of waters. You 
you used to go to raves sober yeah. and take care of everybody and have a blast there. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I was not happening in my world. I went to some raves way back in the day. I was certainly not of sober mind. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't always sober, but I didn't take something where I was just so out of my mind. I couldn't right. I you weren't know looking what for I was that. doing. Like one you were either sober that... or just not wanting to com lose complete control. Yeah, no. I just yeah. wanted to have a good time where I was still of my mind, you know? I didn't understand mm -hmm. why people were feeling on each other and all that type of stuff. I didn't understand any of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not worth understanding and exploring, yeah. trust me. <laughs> I didn't understand, like, why you would pop more, you know? Like, why, why wasn't one enough and all that type of thing? But... <laughs> Wow. So, I mean, I, the way you're describing it, like, and th there's so many people who have lived what we're talking about, have lived what you're talking about, some sort of encounter when they were young and something came with it. It's just this discernment, this clarity, this wisdom, and it's easily recognizable by other people. Yeah. You know? but, not, but I'm living it. So I'm inside myself. I don't know. I'm any different. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, I walk, well, there was always also this weight on me, this pressure, this heaviness um, of just, I can't mess up badly. I don't have a net. And so that also kept me in this really tight place where um, my friends would later on now, they, they know me now. They, I've known them 20 something years now. And they, they tell me now at 40 something years old is him, you know, you, you grew up with a maturity that we didn't have. Nobody understood what you were going through. Nobody understood why you had to work so hard all the time. And, and the things that you were thinking at that time were like well beyond what we were thinking about. <clears throat> It's only now that they can meet me in that mindset. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it So back then does. I was, I love people. Like, honestly, everything is so innocent in what you're talking about. There is no strategy, really. It's, I had all this joy. I knew all this darkness, but I knew there was something more that I haven't seen, but maybe I could experience. And why not go find out? Um and see how far I can get, not an achievement, but just richness of life, right? That was really what was on my mind and my heart was like a richness of life that I could have that it didn't seem like anyone around me wanted or uh, got trapped in other places, you know, that they couldn't get out of or something like that. So I always had, that was like my main focus. And so it gave me a heart for people and anytime I saw them kind of going this way or that way not that I was a know-it-all or anything I just knew like I kind of already saw somebody go down that route it's not really a cool route you know <laughs> yeah. it looks so good as you start on the route but then you get to the end of the road and it's like mm, I don't think this is where I was trying to go yeah and so when did the when did the dots begin to connect in the sense of like, okay, understanding, oh, this is wisdom. Like, oh, 
I'm clearly hearing this is a word of knowledge. Like I'm speaking. When did when did when did the understandings of like the dynamics and the ins and out of of Holy Spirit and the names for it? When did that start connecting? And like the intentionality and and did it shift your intentionality at all when it started connecting, or did you just realize, oh, I've been doing this, I'm just gonna keep doing it? Does that make sense the way I asked that? Yes. <clears throat> I'd say it's like a spectrum. When I realized um, there was so much I didn't know, and like the drinking, see how how the drinking like hoodwinked me, and then I the next it's a good question, word hoodwinked me, bamboozled. And then the yeah. next question was yeah, the next question was did I even pick it? Mm. I know people talk about choice, but did I even pick this because it's been modeled to me like all over the place? So did I pick it? Or did, did it just kind of put, got put on me, you know? And then, so what else don't I know? And so since mm -hmm. then, I had been just pulling on this thread. What else don't I know? What else don't I know? What else don't I know that, don't, that people don't talk about? And then as a young person, I also discerned um, there is like this narrative that everyone had. Like, why does this person over here in this state, say the same person as say the same thing as this person over here, and they're from a totally different state, and they respond the same way, and I, I recognize that in my teens, and I was like, is anybody actually like thinking about the things that they're saying, like, or you know, they're they're charging me with, oh, you you fall in love with potential, and I felt more like a like a hit rather than like, oh, you just helped me with some advice, you know, like that actually helped me it used to piss me off a lot because by that time I was stacked with all these questions and everybody was just saying all these shallow things that they say with no actual answer you know and it would make me mad because it 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 presented the fact that they thought they knew but it was empty of any actual answers <laughs> It's really good and very true. And so narratives were something that I didn't understand why I was um, inundated with all my life. I didn't know why people subscribed to it. Like, is anyone thinking about what they're saying? Okay, I fall in love with potential, but so what do I do with, about it? And also, like, why do I do that? You know, <laughs> do you have any answers there? You know, um, <laughs> It just makes it just makes me feel bad what you just said. It doesn't actually give me anything. So um, I've been on a search for a really long time. So when the wow. Bible came into my life and like these prophet, I, I I realized I was truly prophetic, but I didn't question that anymore. It was only just recently because I, I went through all the church things and um, I knew I was prophetic, but I. I held like 90 something percent of my words because I knew I was prophetic when I was younger. I just didn't know what it was. Um, I just wanted to be really careful because I grew up and watched how society at large, but then also family is just very careless with their words and how they handled power and things like that. So I just, for the most part, I kept things to myself and I just studied, I journaled, 
and I reflected and I saw how things would happen and just kept them to myself. It's only just recently, after 10 years of being in the faith, that I'm actually unleashing myself now. <laughs> it's really good. I remember, I remember the, so the, we did, a, we started a few different, uh, um, myself and my wife or me and Paul Dabdub, or we started a, a few different kind of prophetic communities in, in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And we had already done some stuff for, for years, like Paul and I, and then I got married and my wife and I, uh, were, were starting one. And we started at our little tiny apartment in ocean beach, one bedroom apartment on uh, Voltaire and you came that first night uh-huh. and there was probably only like five people and we would we worship and we get in the word and then we would pray over each other and that was that would have been like almost nine years ago right yeah and i remember and and that community grew a lot and moved to someone else's house and continued to grow. And then was there, and then people, I think it stayed alive all the way until COVID hit and different people ran it and things. Um, but I remember you caught, and, and I remember that, well, I'll just put it this way, knowing the detail of some of your back story now, and then when you showed up, it all makes so much sense because it was easy to see even that night. I remember it was easy to see. And other times that we would interact that like this person, you know, she's very naturally gifted, but it's also like, and I, and I thoroughly enjoyed it as I still do to this day. It's, it's the language of the spirit without all the Christianese. And that I think I mean, because if we're going to get real, that's the language Jesus spoke. He spoke the language. He spoke in a way to where his goal was to, who who are the people that I'm talking to and what do they understand? And I'm going to convey the point that I need to convey to them in their language, with their analogy, in the culture. He was always, if you listen, he spoke to the common day people with agricultural. If he spoke to the politicians, he used money or something. He spoke to the Pharisees. He was using scripture constantly. Like he was always, he wanted to speak the way they understood. Not, he didn't want to speak the way he always wants to. Like even when with Nathaniel, when he had this um, encounter in John 2, he said, like, you know, that's it. Like, you, you're going to follow me and declare I'm the son of God just off this, you know, because I said, he's like, you're going to see angels ascending and descending upon. He's saying like, look, I'm on a different level. Okay. Like this is very common here. I'm being simple so you can understand. Right. Uh And that, and, and I remember being able to, to spot that. Mm -hmm. And it makes so much more sense now having, knowing the backstory and the encounters and everything. It's powerful. I mean, I have to say, Eric, your hub, the prophetic, the prophetic um, Facebook, you know, you yeah. have lifetime access Oops. to these, this material, you innovated hugely 
nine years ago. And look, look at like, there's a storm of now videos of like here that you were the first person that I had ever seen ever do that. And I specifically remember the Holy Spirit go, you need this. Like you need to be a part of, and that's why, that's why, like I would just throw money at you guys. Like, <laughs> um, I'm very grateful for. <laughs> and that's just who I am though. Like um, I'm a p- person who honors, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I told you, honor is a huge innately. I, I understand what that costs someone without explaining it intellectually just in me i know if someone is going to produce a thing it came from somewhere and it wasn't for free you you see and to learn things it wasn't ever a big deal for me to go invest in something to learn or if i wasn't that person i wouldn't be where i i am now like when jesus says go do this it generally involves money travel um, sacrifice that right to some just, extent just something mm-hmm. and an honoring it i would rather use an honoring because pe- that sacrificial word is overused and i think it's been gla- like people's eyes misunderstood as well, yeah. over right mm-hmm. and i it's more of an honoring of what's being presented in front of you right now oh, i get to you know this is this is how i open the door i just have to pay 9.95 in order <laughs> <laughs> I just have to pay nine ninety five to open the door. I mean, I'm focused on opening the door, you know. Um, <laughs> That's good. Um, and it's such an honoring because um, I, I don't think about money like that. I've been blessed my whole life to have innovation as well in the marketplace. Yeah, that's good. So, well. <clears throat> That's encouraging. I appreciate that. Well, let's <laughs> dude, share t- share testimony with sh- share something, um, something God did in the marketplace. Where you know when you were doing someone's hair and you gave them a word and it changed their life, or something with the real, you know, you, you got real estate, you got music, you got coaching. Like, sure. let's let's hear a testimony of something God did through you and changed someone's life out in the world where it needs to be done the most. (laughs) Okay. So I want to preface that with like, this is what it looks like to make our faith look a lifestyle. Yeah, please. Ideology. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the gap is, is like, how does it look as a lifestyle? Right. You just, you just are who you are with Jesus's love in the marketplace and whatever you're doing. So as a hairstylist, what comes to mind right now is this junior high kid came sat in my chair. I've known this kid since he was five, He's 13 now. Name, I won't say his name. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, and his parents, I've known them all these years. Um, he comes in for a haircut and he's underneath his hood and he's 13. He's underneath his black hood and he's just looking down. He's bent over and I don't recognize him that way. 
and I've known him since he was five. So this, this, I understand there's something on him. He doesn't want a haircut. He's, he's just, everything's no, right. Hiding from the world. Right. And you hear that a lot of, well, he's just being moody. He's 13. It's the hormones, all these different things. Right. And you could easily agree with that if you wanted to, if you didn't have the eyes and ears to see and hear. But I knew something was not right. There was a spirit on him that was tormenting him. And I knew that. So, you know, parents are like, come on, get in the chair and get your hair done. And so I asked them just to stop and let me speak to him. You know? And I said, hey, um, we won't cut anything you don't want to cut off. But let's just at least clean up your neck. And there's something, not every profession allows you to place your hands on people. It's either the medical field or the beauty field that allows you to do that, which is very interesting to me. Yeah, and you got a very captive audience. Right. They're in the chair there for what, at least 10 minutes, some minimum, or much as an hour or something. They're, right. they're there. But the, the, it's very specific in the Bible of healing that you can place hands on people, you know? And mm. so it's like in the industry of beauty, you can go in, plug in, make somebody beautiful, make money, you know, you can go into that greed of more, 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 make money, make money, or you just feel good about making somebody feel beautiful. Okay, and then and that's just that. But in the principles of the Bible, you get to lay hands on somebody. Okay, this is what it looks like as light. They don't know that, but I get to lay my holy hands on some, <laughs> yeah, that's and I know something's gonna happen. I get to pray underneath my breath when when I'm when I'm shampooing them. It's it's just as effective as if I said it out loud. Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. So I'm already cultivating this atmosphere of of comfort of of um hey, you know, you're okay here. And you can speak your mind here. No one's going to judge you. Um, you're around people who care about you. Speak your mind. We need to hear your voice on what you're experiencing right now, right? And instead of being told like a kid, you know, go, go do this, sit here and get it done. I wasn't speaking to him like that. And um, he was just, he was, he finally came out and said, it's just this moodiness. It's really hard being, <laughs> and I just hear, and he, he finally said it. Um, I just hear I'm not worth anything. I just hear, I just hear I should just give up and like, I don't want to live and things like that. And you know the family tiptoed around this because they would they told me in their private time that this is what he deals with. But that was the first time I saw him since they told me, right? And um, I was able to pray over him. He allowed me to pray over him, 
Um, and then he allowed me to give him instruction after. In remembrance, because he's of the faith, that his parents don't necessarily model it. Okay. And so he remembered in that moment, like, hey, you're in that small group at church that your parents drop you off at and everything. And um, he left totally different. He was, I casted that demon out of him in just the privacy of the little tiny salon space that is mine, you know? It's, mm-hmm. nobody is around us. So um, this happens all the time. I love it. I never, these, these stories, these testimonies just need to be told more. Yeah. So much, so much more. Uh, obviously the Bible, you know, tells us to in revelation 12, 11 and power of the testimony and everything. But it's like, when we, when we hear it and we hear it described how it played out and it's like, there's a, there's an army of believers out there who are carrying around weapons that destroy the works of the enemy most of them like they don't not all of them and there's a lot of people doing a lot of amazing work but there's still just this portion that are they got this weaponry and they maybe don't even know they have it or maybe they've then there's the next step where like they've they hear that they have it but they have no idea how like what is it how do i use it and man, could you just imagine, could you, could you just imagine if let's just say 20%, let's just say 20, 20% of the people just in America alone who are confessing Christians live like this every day. One in five would transform this country so fast. It would blow people's minds. Right. Yeah. These stories, these testimonies are so needed. Just the simple kid coming in. Exactly like you said, you could write this always having a bad day. He's a kid, like he's all right. Let him throw his hood up and play his video games. And on the inside, there's voices telling him to kill himself. And he comes to get a haircut and he just happens to sit in your chair. (laughs) It's powerful. So what has that continued to look like? Is these things are normal in your life, the hair salon? It's been normal. It's been, mm-hmm. I'm actually being uh, moved out of the, the beauty industry after 25 years after this year. Wow. And um, going into full-time coaching and being a host. So um, just countless stories that I haven't shared because I can't help myself the wins that Jesus has given me makes me ferocious for other people. My own personal experience of overcoming, I can't help myself. Like I'm always on, I'm always on. And that's just the person I've been since I was a kid. I just didn't know how to funnel it in this way that was like meant I knew it was this passion was meant for something, this like exacting eyesight, this like 
love for people. It was meant for something. It wasn't meant to ruin me. Like the, the codependency, you know how there's other expressions of it where it can go wonky, right? Codependency, things like that. But in this disciplined and in this um, straight pathway, this, this, it just turns into this fire hose of like, <laughs> and I just can't help myself, you know? And it comes to me. At this point in my life, I don't look for it anymore. I don't look, I don't need to. Like, it just comes to me and I know that it's mine. That's what's different now is that I don't have to um, do all these things all out there. Because of the, the, the setups of business and things that I do in art or wherever it is, it's wherever it is that I step, whatever comes towards me is mine, you know? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. And um, that's how it's been before. I'm almost like returning to that place of when I was younger, just at a better understanding of everything, where it's not about me trying hard. It's about me, you know, being wonder, being in wonder and curious about life and going after these crafts and skills because I'm just wanting to, right? I'm curious about them and I want to see where and how I can advance in them just because just for the richness of life remember just for the richness of life because mm -hmm. it automatically brings me into a new pool of people it automatically brings me into a new craft or whatever that i can try to master if that's meant for me right and so that takes care of itself it's always been like that for me it just takes care of itself i'm led by curiosity and wonder and i'm not going to stop that that's never going to stop don't let it good right good <clears throat> another something changes that is that childlike awe right you know like i have seven five and two-year-old all boys and sometimes i can i can forget for a moment or just miss it for a moment because it's just like you, you don't have one spare second or like I, if I don't get up really early to spend time with God before everybody's awake, I, I still, you know, cause I don't every day, most days I do, um, almost every day, but the days I miss, I, you know, squeeze it in somewhere in the day. You know what right. I mean? But if I don't get up early, it's like, man, cause once the kids are awake, it's go, 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 go. It's right. just not one second. And I can, I can forget that sometimes like my kids idolize me. I'm there. I'm the world. Like, oh my gosh, it's my dad. It's my dad. You know what I mean? And they, I get, they're out in the pool in the backyard and I, I go to the backyard and their first question, when I get back there, like, are you getting in the pool? Are you getting, are you getting in? And then I like, you know, I already have my swimsuit on or something and I take my shirt off to get in. They're like, yeah. They just start like freaking out. Like, oh my gosh. And then I get in and it's just like, you know, get done working all day, then go be in the pool. And like, I'm all of a sudden like the wrestling dummy, you know, like <laughs> they're going to yank on me, pull on me, go underwater, throw me, catch me just nonstop. <laughs> but that's the position we're supposed to have toward the father. Yep. It's just constant, like, whoa, dad's here. Yeah. 
Whoa. Uh oh. You guys, you guys, here it comes. Here it comes. God, yeah. God, God's here. God's yeah. here. Uh -huh. He's taking his shirt off and he's getting in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> I can forget it sometimes. I can because you just get stuck in the midst of just get this done, get that done. The second that's done, I got to go change a diaper or make some food. You know, only one yeah. of them still in diapers, thank God. <laughs> but Aww. it's always a, a very good reminder. I always need to stay in that spot, you know, the way my boys look at me, but then also just, man, God. Because when, when we lose the awe, it doesn't weaken God. Like it's a dumb thought. But I think subconsciously people even almost think that way. It's that when we lose the awe, we don't see what he's doing anymore. When we lose yeah. that awe of it, all of a sudden our eyes are drifting to other things that are flashy, maybe, and colorful and cool and for a heartbeat, but they just don't present the, the tapestry of amazingness that Jesus always does. Well, see, that's like the you know, Proverbs regard that heart all the issues of life flow out of it and meaning the position of your heart you know where is it he understands the temporal is going to take our attention at times but if we can stay in communion if the heart can stay in communion with him because it's a it's a worked muscle and so mm -hmm. of course as a single person it's done then you have to really relearn it when you get married right you have to relearn how to do that and what that looks like when you get married then you got to relearn and how to do it once it looks like when you're married and have kids and the biggest so, one is when the kids come that's right. been my experience mm -hmm. so these <clears throat> these um re you know the, the, this like uh retraining because we're always being trained it's like, no, I'm enlarging your capacity for me. If we can look at it like that, right? Yeah, maybe it was easier or you could look at it like, no, I'm enlarging your, I'm enlarging your path, your capacity for me with all of this. <laughs> mm -hmm. It just depends on how we look at it, right? It's always, it's always dependent upon that. And it's, it's a hundred percent right. It's always, you see, like we're starting a whole other episode here we'll wrap up in just a second but i'll just say you know it's like we have to do a part two then <laughs> right like there's there's two different things there, there's sight and there's vision our eyes give us sight it's our heart that gives us vision they're not the same thing that's why two people can sit and stare at the same thing and both of them give a different explanation of what they're looking at because we our eyes give us sight you know, if a car's driving by, what is that? Well, it's a car. Well, right. vision, okay, describe it. You're not going to get the same explanation from two people. And the vision comes from the heart. How am I guarding my heart? Right. That's what the vision comes from. What am I allowing in there? What's the posture of it? And, and when we keep that, exactly what you're saying, like a kid that has an encounter, we grow up living in with this in his spirit, not even understanding it all. And the dots start to connect. And it's like that same childlike awe produces, it's like you, you're going to get more done by accident than you ever could have gotten done on purpose. <laughs> Just accidentally 
gosh, I remember times going down to Mexico and whatnot, preaching at a church. And we just like, we're so excited. We would yeah. just start praying for the sick and like a couple of people get healed up front. And then there's like six people in the back that get healed. It's like, you didn't even pray for them. You're just in awe right. of God being in the room doing something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best posture to have. It's also the most exhilarating and joyful. There you go. Right. Mm -hmm. We are who we are when we're in that place. For sure. We are, we are at our best <clears throat> when we're in that place. So to lose it is a disservice, not just to everyone else, but to us. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> well, my friend. So, so let me ask you this too. So if someone wanted to get in contact with you, how, how would they do that? Sure. Um, collective healing SD at, on Instagram, it's at Collective Healing SD, uh, www.collectivehealingsd.com or Facebook. Um, that's the best mode to get to me or, you know, email me or whatnot. DM me, mm -hmm. slide into mm -hmm. my DMs. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. It's usually used as a negative term, but it doesn't have to be. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Well, I greatly appreciate you coming on, sharing some of your story, conversing about the things of the kingdom, sharing wisdom. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Eric. Keep doing good work. Yeah, you as well. Thank what you. else is there to do anyways? <laughs> what am I, I going to do, man? I've been taken over. My life's been hijacked. <laughs> good. <laughs> well, we will... We'll chat again very soon. And thank you guys for joining us here on another episode of the Recovering Reality Podcast. Listen, guys, if this podcast encouraged you, make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. Go leave a five-star rating. Leave us a good review. It helps us reach more people with this message of faith and of hope. And if you know someone that you think this podcast would help and encourage, go ahead and send it to them. Thanks for joining us on the journey, guys.